This is episode 125 of AA Beyond Belief. The third biennial Arizona Secular AA Conference will be held on Saturday, November 9th from 9.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. at the 24th Street Conference Center in Phoenix. In today's episode, I'll speak with Gary S. from the Phoenix area, who'll tell us about the upcoming conference. All right, I'm here with Gary S. from somewhere in Arizona. Where are you from, Gary, in Arizona? Sun City West. Sun City West. Phoenix. Okay. And you're here to give us some information about the upcoming Secular AA Conference in Arizona. Would you give us a little bit of information about it? First of all, where is it and when is it? Okay. Well, it's it's at 9.30 in the morning, starting on November 9th at uh, the 24th Street Conference Center in Phoenix, Arizona. Is this the third conference that you've had? Yes, it is. They're biennial, so we we alternate with the internationals. Okay. Would you like to give us a little history behind the conferences? I guess that you've been to all of them. I have indeed. Yes, I I had just moved to uh, Arizona from the San Diego area just just prior to the uh, 2015 conference, and so I was able to attend that one and. Uh, actually, it was one of our, our greeting uh, conferences when we first arrived, uh, my wife and I. Virtually all of the secular meetings were on the east side. So when we live on the far west side, so the first thing we did was initiate a couple meetings here on the west side and, and then plugged into the community, which is growing, thankfully. The 2015 conference had four different panels and there was a speaker on on starting a a WAFT meeting. And then 2017, we we did it again and some of our topic material was updating. We we have a tendency to update for the upcoming internationals because as I said, we alternate with those. And then we, 17, we talked about the secular steps and how people work the steps in a secular environment. Uh, how, how are people sponsored? And what is the role of connection in the recovery community? Our guest speaker at that one was Joe, Joe C. from Toronto. So now we're, now we're getting ready for this year's. So we've kind of picked up a, a format that we're using and that's that's kind of what we're we're doing we typically have someone from the international or the upcoming international and and a an author from the secular community uh, a well with along with panels which in turn allow us to you know they're kind of falling in place it takes a little time to get a conference system set up but i think we're finally dialing it in yeah you guys have done a really good job you know i imagine it is it is it does take a lot of work to put one of these together and i'm glad to see that there are more of these regional conferences happening i mean the ones that i know of now are are widening the gateway conference that takes place in washington state 
um, the Arizona um, Regional Conference, and now this, the Ontario Conference. So we've got three that I know of that are regional conferences, and it would ni- it would be nice to see others come on. Um, I like the regional conferences because they're more intimate, and usually the locations are such that it's easier to you know, interact with people. And it's, it's not like you're in like one place all the time. Um, you're having a unique um, um, venue this time. You're, it looks really nice. I was looking at it online. You're using a conference center in Phoenix. Is that right? Correct. And, and in the past, we've been using a public libraries, which, which are nice, except there's, there's a lot of peripheral noise and activity going on. So this season, I had the opportunity. We started a little earlier, so I was able to actually go out and find this, this conference center. And I'm chairing the committee this year, and it's, I have some experience in doing things like that from the general service structure of AA. And so that's allowed me, you know, to kind of insert some of the, the fortunate things about that format. That kind of formatting we've been able to bring online into this. So it's, it's it seems to be working quite well. This conference center is relatively small. It's not a big auditorium or anything like that. I, I believe the room maxes out at about 140. But it's, but it's got kitchen facilities and things that not everything has had in the past. So that's, that's helping us a little bit. We just did something in Kansas City not too long ago. We had Joe uh, C. come down for an anniversary celebration, and we used a facility that holds about um, 100 people maybe. And that was that worked out really well for us because we had we had less than 100 people. So there was plenty of room for, for everybody. So, I, you know, you don't really need a huge place depending upon the size of the crowd. What kind of crowd are you expecting? Well, this year uh, we've, we've been getting just shy of 100 in the past. And so this year we're we've been shooting for 120 or so. And, you know, and that's always contingent on registrations and and who hears about us. I I think getting the word out is is one of the great challenges. Having come from the San Diego area, I was able to plug into some of that community. So I hope to see some of those folks. And and, and our, our community here in Phoenix is growing. But like most things in the AA community, it's uh, everything in AA has, has a glacial pace. You know, things growth growth in AA, anything new in AA, which you know there seems to be a tendency to resist new things. So it takes time. You know, it's pretty amazing, Gary. I'm just looking at the website of the secular AA groups in Arizona, and there's a lot of them. Yes, there's a lot. Um, we, like I say, as soon as soon as we hit town, we started the two on the west side, the the free thinker meetings, but they're very small. And but we, per, you know, we persevere and, and, and it's uh, sometimes during the summer, particularly, they're very small because the, the Phoenix area population changes dramatically in the season. Where I live, the small community that I live in has probably 16,000 people during the summer and more like 35,000 during the winter we get that on off thing because a lot of we get a lot of canadians and north people in snow country come and and spend their winters here and so all of a sudden our our population goes up and but during during the during the summer you know there's we have a few meetings in in the phoenix area that are actually quite large uh consistently and so it's it is indeed growing but 
like I said, I've, I've been doing this for a few decades now, and uh, I've, I've watched other committees and, and sectors of the fellowship. And whenever something's new, you know, if you if you're established after ten or fifteen years, you you make a good time at that point. So, so it, it, it's a it's a real patience game. But I do believe that the secular community is growing. We are a microcosm of the macrocosm in terms of population. So, if you look at the U.S. population, uh, what happens in the fellowship is is a reflection of that. That's right. We are a reflection of the greater society, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. If you look at the statistics as they're moving forward, there are more and more secular people within the U.S. just in general. And consequently, we will inevitably grow in the rooms. So then it becomes a matter of finding each other. And we are pretty well accepted now um, within the greater AA community, I think, for the most part. Um, I know we certainly are in Missouri, and I, I bet you are in, in Arizona too, but it's no big deal to have a AA meeting without the prayer. In, increasingly, it's, it is indeed getting better. There's There are people who can't handle the lack of formatting sometimes, or the formatting that they are not accustomed to. But but I know our intergroups, for instance, are supportive when we want literature or we, you know, they, they helped us with our insurance for the conference and everything, uh, one of our intergroups. And so more and more we are accepted. And, you know, when we had our event in Kansas City, it just happened like a few weeks ago. Um, there were some people from just regular uh, traditional AA groups too that that showed up. So it'd be kind of nice if you could draw some people from other groups too within the within the Phoenix area that aren't necessarily secular. You know, I noticed actually one of our topics this year is uh, dogma and and ritual in secular AA, and and another is tolerance within secular AA because we have there all you know. AA just in general has a has a tendency towards zealotry sometimes. I was kind of around when when secular AA just started in AA, and too often we we had people who were willing to bash the traditional community, and and so that frightened people away. And I think there's less and less of that. I you know it's because I think a lot of people who were secular came in with perhaps a bad attitude about the non-secular community. So when they saw it, took got the opportunity, they took the shot. Yeah, my theory behind that is you know they always say that uh, a new AA meeting is started from a resentment or started with a resentment in a coffee pot. And I, th- I and I think a lot of our secular meetings started out of resentment for a bad experience that someone had with another AA meeting. So they learned about a secular meeting and they started it. And then the people that would come to it were people that were already, that already had an experience with AA, but maybe a negative one because they were atheists and they didn't feel welcomed at their, at their home groups, their former home groups. So I think that in the beginning of these groups starting, there was a lot of talk about what AA was like for these people. We experienced that in Kansas City when we started our, our meeting. After about a year of meeting, we had people from other AA groups started coming to our meeting and they had to vent about their experience of uh, with these other groups. Um, but then what happened with us, and I think this might be happening in other areas too, is the people that had that experience are pretty much done venting. And the newer people that are coming in we're finding people coming to our meetings that have never gone to AA 
previously. They don't have an they don't have a negative experience with a with a traditional group to complain about. <laughs> the only AA they know is a secular AA meeting. Exactly, I do, I do believe that that's very that's increasingly true, and because we get new people who are who say that oh I've never come to AA because I I heard about you know all I heard was the God thing and all I could see was the God thing and that's just not who I am. So they, they, they see the word, for instance, free thinker or atheist agnostic. And, and, and they, so they, they, we are indeed their very first experience. And so, so they don't have to go through that curve. Uh, I got sober in 90 and had people who would take their index finger and point it in my face and say, get God or die. And my sponsor, who was a God guy and was very, very tolerant of my belief system, I never once tried to proselytize with me. He, he just say, Gary, some of us are sicker than others. And and then he kind of shrug it off and said, don't worry about these people. There's plenty of room for you. But I was very, very fortunate in that experience because had I gotten a zealot, uh, a proselytizing zealot, I may well have just left. Let's go through the let's go through the um, the venue. I'm not the venue, but rather um, I don't know the program. What what you've got going on? Sure. So the keynote speaker is Jeffrey Munn, um, who's the author of right. "Staying Sober Without God." Yes, uh, Jeff Jeffrey will be our, our keynote speaker, and then he'll he'll be speaking about his experience as well as. Uh, he's had the opportunity to interact with the community as well. And we'll also, Greg O from uh, Washington, D.C., will be coming and talking to us about the upcoming next year's conference in D.C. And, and then in terms of uh, the way we do it is people check in, you know, you register. And so, so we have a series of speakers and or panels, and you would kind of stagger those. And we'll have panel discussions. This year's panels are dogma and, rit- and ritual in secular AA. Tell me about that. Do you know much about what that entails? Yes, actually. I, I believe what's going on there is that there's... We're, I, I think we're trying to resist becoming dogmatic as some of the other meetings, the more traditional meetings have become over the years where you have this reading, this, you know, a set pattern. And, and so I think we're trying to keep the doors open to new ideas uh, because of the resistance to, to dogma. And, and sometimes it's, it's like, I'm I'm grateful that I, I believe that nearly every meeting in, in the Phoenix area has has a different formatting on some level. Some will end with meeting adjourned, which is what we do on the west side with uh, the free thinker meetings. We just well, thanks for coming. Meeting adjourned. See you next week. <laughs> you know, now turn your phone back on. Uh, and and there are others that that choose to end with the responsibility statement. And 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 the this the circling up process that so many of us came into the fellowship and and saw initially and not everybody's comfortable with that not everybody wants to hold hands you know it's, it's about being open to that uh, my wife who's a you know if we go to traditional meetings just because we can't always find a secular one and she will not join a circle at the end of those meetings. I will join it and I will remain silent. And that has just always been my way to 
show people that, you know, you don't really have to do this. <laughs> if you don't want, they won't kick you out. You know, it is interesting how we can become easily dog- dogmatic and ritualistic. Um, it, it could happen to any group. It doesn't have to be AA. It could be any organization that could, could become that way. I, I sometimes think it would be great if we had, you know, more secular literature that's like conference approved. But one problem with having a book that's approved is that, people become dogmatic about that book. And so maybe in a certain, maybe it's a certain respect, we're lucky that we can just pick and choose whatever book we might want to use. We don't have to wait for the conference to give us a book. And that might reduce some of the dogma. Because I think a lot of the dogma that comes from AA in general is usually from the, um, from, from a love of our history, maybe, maybe too much of a love for the history and the big book becoming kind of um, strict about how we look at the big book. I think that's where a lot of the dogma comes from. I very much agree. You know, the the, uh, the apotheosis of Bill Wilson, the, the putting him on the, the pedestal and the first 164 pages of the big book. And, well, you know, that stuff's all is all nearly 80 years is 80 years old. And hopefully we've grown if you really follow his life he he became increasingly open to change over time because he saw i believe he saw that dogmatic devotion and 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 wanted to resist that and so but i i do believe you're right about well if you have this book everybody's going to follow the book and whatever the book may be and and you can really get caught up in that so i believe we're trying to address that in that panel and then and then we're having a panel on secular awareness uh, raising secular awareness in aa through service work it's, it's kind of like we're encouraging people to get involved more and more involved in service so so that people know that we're there i'll I'll go back to my first sponsor who actually was an area delegate and and he says well gary and aa you're going to find that 97 percent of the people take the credit and the other three percent do the work get in the second group there's less competition and that has been my experience. I, I spent 25 years in general service and and getting people to sign up and do that aspect of recovery, they don't realize how much growth that offers. And so they are resistant to it because, well, I think you know, a lot of us were just resistant to commitment. I think it's great for people to at least at least learn about it and and go to an area assembly and get to meet these people who have dedicated their time to serving AA for 25 years I did not do that and I did not get I never went to an area assembly and got involved with a you know any with a service structure until we started our group in Kansas City um, five years ago now and so I've been attending area assembly since that time and it's really transformed my experience in AA to a certain extent because um, it's really when I go to the area assembly or, for, or for even my district, if I go to meetings there, that's really my only connection to the greater AA outside of my group. And when I'm like at an area assembly, for example, we don't really talk about the spiritual, religious beliefs or anything. We're just talking about the work that we need to get done there. And I've met people who have gone to New York, the delegates, you know, and we have a lot of the delegates who still come back to our area assembly to help us out. And it, those people are really amazing, the amount of work that they put into um, 
serving AA. And there's a lot of people that aren't even delegates that do the same thing. Now, I'm one of those people that I go to the area assembly all the time. I even chair a committee, but I can't say I do a whole lot of work. (laughs) But I do like to be there. For me, it's like... um, it's like I said, it's my connection to AA outside of my own secular group. And I do learn something. I gain something from it, but I I don't do a lot of a lot of the real work that needs to be done, I'm afraid to say. And I, and I get that, but the fact is that you participate on a level that allows that your time allows. I mean, many people spend two years in typical commitment in general services two years. I spent 25 because I fell in love with it and they wouldn't let me, I, I, I wouldn't let them kick me out. I kept finding new jobs. And, and you know, I served at area level for almost a decade. And But what I think what we find out is there's, a, there's this whole nuts and bolts. We have that tradition that says AA need never be organized. But anything that is international, quite frankly, needs to be organized. Yeah, and we're pretty organized, really. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And there are nuts and bolts going. All the gears are, are turning in the background that we don't necessarily see at group level. And that's where, and that's where that service structure comes. And I, and I believe that that teaches people patience. It does. And I think it's important for the secular <clears throat> groups to participate because it allows the other groups to get to know us. When I when I started going to the area assembly in Western Missouri, I think that I was, we were, we were the first um, secular AA group to ever attend an area assembly in Missouri. And when we when I first started going there, we some people were suspicious of us and not quite sure where we were coming from. But now we're just old hat. We're just you know, they they we're we're just part of the family now. It's not it's it's nothing of a big deal. And I think that if more secular groups did get involved with their area, they would have the same experience. We, it's basically learning that we have far more in common than, than not with, with other AA members. And so I think that's one of the real benefits from it. And also, if there's something that you want different in AA, the only way you're going to get that is by letting your voice be heard at an area assembly and through the general service conference. But the most beautiful thing about AA, in my opinion, is the respect that we have for the minority so that you can go and you can ask for something, you can you can state your case and you can ask for a vote and whatever. And if you're the minority, you get a chance to go back and be heard again and, and maybe change some minds. And I've seen that happen. So there's a lot of respect in AA for, for the minority, um, more so than I think anybody ever could have imagined if you if you weren't ever if you've never experienced that. And being part of a minority. That's great because you your voice you're going to be heard twice <laughs> more twice maybe. <laughs> there, one of our groups recently, one of our secular groups recently, uh, at the at the local assembly, put in a motion to have a specific uh, setting of of how I, a way to identify in meeting schedules that we are indeed secular. Everybody politely listened and said we don't think so. But if that returns. AA is not always ready to do the change that is proposed, but but after after AA hears it a number of times, they go, well, you know what? This we've talked about this enough times. Maybe it is time. I was very I was involved as an area person during the era that we were getting ready to do the fourth edition of the Big Book, and 
we talked about it for, I don't know, seven or eight years before we actually made the decision to do it. And and that again, that's that glacial pace of change. And AA does that as a way of self-defense. It, it makes sure that we don't do rash things. And because if we do do rash things, people die. And, you know, because we're not a, you know, we're not a social club. We're a a lifesaver club. So it's it's a very it's a very interesting mechanism that if you don't have patience, it will teach you patience, uh, whether you want it or not. Who's going to be in that panel? Do, do you know um, how that's going to work? What the way we have panels is the person who suggests that particular panel uh, typically ends up on it, and then and then two other people from the community are sought out usually uh, and this is consistent with all the panel choices people who are going to have some experience and also perhaps have a diverse experience such as age age within the fellowship years of doing service for instance service in this one uh, branches of service that they participate in What's your experience in general service? What's your experience in intergroup? Uh, so that we get a as much of a broad-based knowledge as we can from the panel and are able to, because we open them up after the panel speakers, we open it up for a discussion. And, and this gives other people in the room the opportunity to participate as well. Well, that's going to be a good one. Then, you, then the next one on the list here is <clears throat> how to survive a conventional AA meeting. I, I happen to be the uh, one of the people on that panel. And it's because there are so so many conventional meetings versus the meetings that are secular in nature, you can't always find a secular meeting. There's there's not necessarily one every night within reach if you need if you're going to meetings every day. And so that means you're going to a traditional meeting. And you're going to encounter people who are uh, God-centric. And sometimes that can wear on us. And so how, I guess the the thing is to, how do you deal with that person who comes and puts your, their finger in your face and says, get God or die? Or how do you deal with the meeting that, you know, just goes on and on, on a topic that you can't identify with? And so how do you get along with that and still not feel that you should reject AA, but maybe simply go to a different meeting. No, that is important because there, you know, um, in a lot of areas, um, there aren't a lot of secular, maybe there aren't any secular AA meetings, you know, so, and AA is pretty much everywhere, you know, and if you're, and, 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 and there is benefit from having a support system when you're stopping to drink. So, you know, you're going to have people that are, that are atheists, agnostic, free thinkers, whatever, attending these meetings where people want to um, finish, conclude with the Lord's Prayer, or they want to talk about God, and it would be helpful to um, for for someone to have a plan or, or, or some some way of coping with that because it can be difficult. It can be very difficult if you feel like you're not accepted, you know, and because that's so important, I think, for us in our recovery is to know that. 
that we're accepted in the in in the community that we're trying to to um, be part of. <laughs> so yes, it, it needs to be a safe place, and and unfortunately, the it, you know it is what it is. But the the zealots have a tendency to be loud, and that's true on both sides too. <laughs> it's like. Th- the zealots are the minority, but they're the loudest. The for the for both the the atheists and agnostics, uh, the zealots are loudest, and for the other for the more religious people, it's the zealots are the loudest. <laughs> Absolutely, and and if you're fortunate, you'll find, for instance, my first sponsor who said, "Don't worry, some of us are sicker than others." And and just say, hey, you know, not all of us are trying to sell you this aspect of their belief system. We just want you to get sober and we want you to feel safe here and, and don't let them scare you away. And but in nearly I guess it was actually the first 20 years of my sobriety and some of which I, we were arguing for more secular recognition. But I lost people who came to me for sponsorship. And and simply said, you know, I just can't deal with this God thing. And they were gone. And one of the things I used to try to emphasize when we, during the discussion of we need secular, we need a secular base, was the fact that when people leave because they can't tolerate AAs, that, that particular aspect, it's, it's almost, you know, it's like a death sentence. Because if we send you away, you go out and you drink and you die. And so very, very important. And and I and so it's kind of like you gotta you gotta be able to have a little bit of armor as it will. Uh when I first got in involved in general service, the, the new delegate came to me and said, Well, Gary in general welcome to general service and I was very new in AA. And she said, you know, in general service you will get the heart of a butterfly and the skin of a rhinoceros. And over my years in general service, I developed the skin of, uh, I, I became the essence of rhinocerosity. But, but I, I'm not sure about the butterfly, but <laughs> but I'll tell you, my, my skin, my armor's pretty thick. And so I can tolerate an awful lot of stuff, but because we are, we're very sensitive people. And so it's, it's, it's important that we give people the ability to stay in that traditional meeting and stay safe and feel okay and and not necessarily go back to a particular meeting because that you know there's if you go around the corner there's another one that'll be a good one to record and I hope that all of these are recorded but that one in particular will, would be good because it would help the person who is in a area where there aren't secular meetings and they and the only meetings they can attend are, are traditional ones so that panel would be helpful um, for those people, I think. I, and and we we are setting up to to record and 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 have it online. So, uh, and because I do believe that that was a challenge. Like I say, having lost sponsees to the to the other dogma. And you know, it is one thing that's that is um, helping combat that. I think is having um, these podcasts, these websites, the um, Facebook groups, um, the online presence that we have. Um, so that people that are in areas where they don't have a secular meeting, they they know that we're out there, you know, and so they're emboldened. I think when when they go to a traditional meeting because that's the only meeting they have in their town, and if they have to sit through a reading of how it works, they can more more likely tolerate it because they know they're not alone. They know that there's a greater community out there of secular people. 
in Alcoholics Anonymous. So I could not agree more because if you stick it out and and you stay, what happens is is you develop filters, and so that when when you're in that meeting. Um, I'm a good orderly direction person is is what that stands for for me. So if I if I I just I've learned over the years to simply when when I started hearing the God word and people were talking about well God does this and God does that I just say well good orderly direction does this and good orderly direction does that and and and, and it has tendency to work very well and that's just my tool. But I, but I believe we can all find filters that, that allow us to either tone it, tune it out or, or, or you know, put this word in in place because what it is that helps them stay as individuals. Yeah. A lot of it is learning how to interpret in your own mind what you're hearing, you know, so you're hearing them say something and what they're saying is actually relatable if you just kind of put it in a different context. I have sponsored many God folk over the years. And so I've had the opportunity to read quite a bit of theology and things just so that I can kind of get what they're talking about. And one of when I have them do a second step, I ask them to, well, I want a page of just what it is that's returning you to sanity that has the power to do this. And, you know, because invariably that's where the God issue comes, begins to start. And so, so if I know that they are God people, I just say, well, I want a page from you of what your God. I don't want your dogma. I don't want what your preacher tells you it is. I want what you say it is. And over the years of the many, many people who are, you know, in the Christian community, I have never once gotten two identical interpretations of what that really means. And and I believe that that's true in the secular community as well. And so, so is, if you can plug that in to that meeting that is so very God-centric, that traditional God-centric meeting, it, it becomes much easier to sit through it. Then the last panel you've got here is Tolerance Within Secular AA. That's interesting. Yeah, that's, that's where we, that, that, that other kind of zealot, that secular zealot. I mean, we, we have people within the secular community who would like us to not even be a part of AA and are willing to break entirely. And so when somebody uses even the word there, even the word spiritual, they are resistant to that. And and that's okay for them to not be accepting in their own lives, but it's if they if they all of a sudden find it's okay to cross-talk because they've heard it, then that's that's the kind of tolerance we're talking about is 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 just being able to love each other regardless yeah um you know one thing that i've learned over the years of um participating in um secular secularly formatted a meetings and the greater um community internationally i guess is the huge diversity amongst us um just because one person is an atheist 
um, doesn't mean that all atheists experience um, Alcoholics Anonymous the same as that atheist does. <laughs> I mean, we're all different. I mean, there are atheists out there who pray. There are atheists who have a spiritual program. There are atheists who won't have anything to do with spirituality. There are atheists who interpret the steps, and there are those who think that interpreting the steps are ridiculous. There's just a huge variety amongst us, whether you're atheist, agnostic, free thinker, whatever you are, there's a huge spectrum of how we experience our recovery. And that's the, that's true for us in our secular community, and that's true with AA as a whole. And I think the problem is just because um, you might, one person might feel a certain way, they have a certain experience, that they and they want to communicate that experience in their way. They, I think that we have to allow other people to communicate that experience in their way. There's no right or wrong way to, to be a secular secular person in Alcoholics Anonymous. There's many ways of experiencing that and expressing that. When you say the words right and wrong, that is that right there is the problem of when we start identifying things as right and wrong versus useful or not useful for me. As an individual, uh, and when we start labeling them as good and bad, that is where the problem begins, and that's where intolerance has a tendency to rise. And most of us have encountered that, particularly in the secular secular community, and we'll run into it in a traditional meeting, and we have to be careful not to become that. Don't become the thing that that offends you. So, so learning how to allow people to have their own fingerprint. What helps me with tolerance is I know that I've been in AA for 31 years now, and my understanding of my experience in recovery and the way that I express that has changed and evolved over the years. What I believe and say and do now is different than what I was saying and doing and believing seven years ago. You know, so it's like if I so if I listen to somebody and they're coming from a point of view that I think is that I just can't relate to or whatever, or my, I might not even agree with it, whatever it is, who cares? That's what that that's just where that person is today. And I was I was taught that you know take what you want, leave the rest, but don't throw it out because five years from now you might be looking for it, and 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 it does work that way uh, if we don't. If we don't grow in AA, uh, things that aren't moving are usually dead. And so, so if my consciousness is not moving forward, then where am I? I will become lost to my own dogma. And that's the great danger of intolerance, I think, is it stifles growth in another person. Absolutely. We, we can get caught and we become lockstep. And and then we're the very we become the very thing that we are resistant to today. So it is it is really important. That's a, I think those are some great panels that you've got there. Um, you're also having lunch, I believe. Uh, along with along with your uh, registration comes all of these panels and these speakers, and there's there's always literature available, and and it's literature. Uh, some of its AA literature and, and, and Jeffrey's book will be available. Then there's, uh, there, you know, the, the traditional, yeah, I love the word, uh, co- coffee and donuts first thing in the morning. And, and then as the day goes on, uh, there will be beverages, uh, cold beverages, as long with, as long with the coffee that still seems to be a mainstay. And, uh, and then there will be a lunch as well. So we we added some hours this time because uh, this facility was able to allow us to 
to make it a little longer uh, because we actually found in past ones that we had to cut off the discussion after the panels just in order to stay on schedule. And so, so this panel, this, this particular event is from 9.30 till 5.30. And that will allow us to have enough time after each panel for people to, to be heard and, and to ask questions or to bring their own insights. Uh, because there will be, uh, you know, there'll be, a, they'll be at the mic. There, there'll be the ability to get, come on up to the mic and, 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 have have your say so that will allow us to uh, have a greater exchange of ideas because these that's what these are all about is 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 here some ideas just because you're a panelist doesn't make you right <laughs> it just means that you're bringing your you're just bringing your experience to so the third and the third biennial Arizona Secular A conference will be Saturday November the 9th uh, from 9.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. at the 24th Street Conference Center, 1841 North 24th Street, number 10, Phoenix, Arizona. And you can still register at the website azsecularaa.org. Registration is $25 online, and you can do that up until, what, November the 4th? Yes, and uh, at which point then uh, after the 4th, because we have to be able to plan how much food and and things like that after the fourth uh you you'll still be able to 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 come and at the door for instance the, but then the price goes up an extra five bucks and that's that's the the need for you know we need to know ahead of time because we order food well if you come when you come at the from the door we we have to have that cushion of food so everybody gets the opportunity to eat for those who and and there is a PO box that people can send checks and that's PO box 1643 in Surprise Arizona uh 85378 is the zip on that and and that's for those who are are not internet connected but still want to attend they want to send a check or or aren't comfortable doing paying online uh, so, so they, there's, there's a bunch of ways to get to us, and we want to make sure that that's available to everyone. And we sure hope everybody that hears this podcast comes. You know, if you if you're gonna go, get to the website and register. If you if you don't have time to do that, register. I mean, that's okay to go to the store, but it's help it's helpful to register in advance. Absolutely, book that flight today and fly on in. And and if we need to, we'll go down the street and we'll get some more food. We'll be glad to have that problem. That's the kind of problem. That's the kind of problem we want. Well, thank you, Gary, very much for taking the time to let us know about this. Um, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you think we should mention before we uh, finish? Well, what I can say is that another two years down the road, there will be another of these. So if, if, you're, if this is too short a notice for you, make sure to stay connected to our, uh, the AA Secular, Arizona Secular AA.org so that you can see the next one that's going to come up in two years time and and have a little greater planning period because we're already you know at the end of this conference we will already be putting uh the next chair in place and 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 you know the the core of the committee will 
be put in place so that we can start the the longer term aspects of planning a, a conference and and that'll still be going on in the background because this stuff doesn't we don't you don't start this a week ahead of time well thanks again gary i appreciate this uh the, the you're you're taking the time to speak with us and let us know about this conference well, thank, thank you you john very so very much for having the podcast available to us uh i'm the substitute person today because the person you were scheduled for took a spill on a bicycle and hurt herself and and we're we're all hoping that uh, she's feeling a little better today but she certainly wasn't up to podcast today but you know i'm sure she'll be okay and and at the conference she's one of our very trusted servants and we we look forward to to her recovery well maybe we'll have her on after the conference and she can give us a post-conference update <laughs> yeah and that's another episode of aa beyond belief thank you so much for listening hey if you'd like to help out our site and podcast there's a couple of things you can do first of all go over to itunes and leave us a review hopefully a favorable one You can also help out financially with either a recurring or one-time contribution. You can do this by setting up small recurring donations at our Patreon page, which you can find at patreon.com slash aabeyondbelief, or through PayPal at paypal.me slash aabeyondbelief. And you can always visit our site, aabeyondbelief.org, and click on the Donate button. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back again real soon with another episode of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast.